I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. Let's begin with 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13, and I'll give you a second to find that, and then we'll pray. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13. Father, we come before your word looking to you. Thank you that you sent your word, brought us light, deliverance, healing, strength, direction. Father, we thank you for your spirit, that he lives on the inside of every believer, leading us, guiding us, directing us, helping us, revealing to us, transmitting the things of you and yours to us. That he doesn't speak of himself, but whatever he hears, that he's speaking. Father, I pray that every one of our hearts will be open to your spirit this morning, to what you have to say, to reveal, and to demonstrate. In Jesus' name, amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13, the title of the series is, What Did You Say? What did you say? Or what did you say? What did you say? Why? Well, because really the first place that your faith shows up is in what you say. In other words, the first place that you find out if you trust and believe what God has said about you, your situation, your life, your purpose, is by checking up on what did you say or what are you saying or what have you said. It's, it's, it's good to have good intentions, but you know, if, if you don't have, how, that's not a good way to say it, if you don't allow what you believe to come out of your mouth concerning the word of God, then don't expect your scenery to change. Don't expect things to change. Well, let's begin with 2 Corinthians 4.13. We having the same spirit of faith. So it's not something that we will have in the future once we pray enough, once we read the word enough. No, we having the same spirit of faith. So we have the same spirit of faith that David had when he realized this is not right, that this giant is defying the armies of the living God. And he, what did he do? He did not run at the giant with a closed mouth. He ran at a giant with his mouth wide open. And he said with his mouth what he believed would happen. Okay, so we having, right now, every believer has the same spirit of faith. Now, you might not have faith in a certain area of your life, but you have the same spirit of faith. Why? Because without knowledge, you can't have faith. If you don't know, for years I didn't have faith for healing in my physical body. What is faith? Well, one of the things faith is, it is, it is a deep inward conviction and knowing this is the way that it is. Well, I had um, a belief that God could do anything. 
but you don't know is it his will to heal you this day of this problem. So that's not a, a real good basis for faith for healing because I wasn't sure. I knew he could do anything. It's kind of like a, a, the, the miraculous, you know. Uh, somebody, people are healed without faith all the time by a miracle, but, but you can't like bank on that. But you can bank on whatever God has said in his word. And we know in 1 Peter 2.24 that just like he offered us life unlimited for our spirits or our souls, he said also by his stripes you were healed. Well, I started hearing that, Matthew 10.17, that himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. And I started to hear that, and it started to gain entrance into my heart. First, I heard it in my head, and I'm like, oh, I didn't know those were in the Bible. And my spirit rejoiced, but I didn't really grab it. Until I started kind of meditating and thinking on it and chewing it over and considering it. And uh, when I did that, then all of a sudden, that began to get root. It began to be planted in my heart or my spirit concerning that. Well, then, once that word is in your heart... Well, then you, you've got faith for it and you can act. And so the first way you're going to act is you're going to say. Sickness and disease comes. Maybe attacks your body. Maybe doesn't even attack your body. Maybe just is in the atmosphere, so to speak. Well, as a believer, you have the same spirit of faith. Uh, so you run at the giant of sickness and disease with your mouth moving. And what your mouth is saying is what you believe in your heart. Now, sometimes... Um, uh, you want to believe it in your heart, but you don't. And uh, nobody raise your hand. You know, you kind of have the atmosphere of, I don't want anybody to know I don't. <laughs> but you kind of are aware, you know, because you might, uh, you might be very disciplined in your, your words, so you know not to say the wrong thing. But if you were really honest, you'd, you'd have to say, I don't really believe that in my heart because when I'm by myself, uh, other things slip out of my mouth. Well, that's not... Uh, that should never be that you condemn yourself. That should actually, it's the greatest thing in the world to hear yourself say what you believe. Even if it's totally unbiblical. Because if you don't find out what you believe, you probably aren't going to change what you believe, so your situation's not going to change. So there's no condemnation to them that are in Christ. So you just find out, oh, I just located myself. Because I heard myself say this. Now, there's a difference in your confession. We're talking about confession, this series. What did you say? It's the power of your confession. So, you know, a confession really is birthed out of a deep-rooted belief. So, if you're at the job, I don't encourage you to do this, but if you're at the job, a job working, or maybe you own the company and you're working there, I think it's funnier when you own the company and you're like, I can't stand this company. I want to quit. I don't like the boss, and I'm the boss. <laughs> you think that can't happen? You should own your own company. So anyhow, um, but you know, you said it in the flesh, in the heat of the moment. You know, that's not going to come to pass. Now, if you keep saying it long enough, it's going to gain, uh, what do you call it, root in your heart. You'll start to 
believe that, and boy, if you ever start believing that and saying it, you better look for a new job. <laughs> You're going to get a new job. But, you know, Elijah, he, he just was mightily used of the Lord, outran the king's chariot, commanded it to stop raining. Three years later, three and a half years later, commanded it to start raining, and it happened. And then uh, Jezebel uh, kind of gets uh, upset at him and everything. Everything like that. Where's Dave? And so, um, <laughs> you're welcome. And so, uh, she gets upset at him. Well, he starts to get scared. Great man used mightily of the Lord. He gets scared. So what does he say? I, I wish I was dead. Well, he didn't really wish he was dead. He's in the heat of the moment, you know. But you got to watch your words because the devil will, you know, he came to steal, kill, and destroy. So speaking of uh, wish you were dead, he'll put death thoughts in your head that he wants to get to come out of your mouth. Interesting, the first barrier to suicide is to saying, I, I, I want to die. I wish I was dead. So you shouldn't really ever break that barrier. Because it's easier the next time and the next time. And then those thoughts produce words, and those words produce actions. So, so we just want anything to do with it. But the point is, your confession, your biblical confession, comes out of what you believe in your heart. So, you know, I'm talking about some negative things, but you could talk about some positive things. So your confession could be, um, let me see, let me say it a different way. You could say, I am healed by the stripes of Jesus because the word says I was healed. And you should say that. But if you don't believe it in your heart, it's not going to do you a lot of good until you say it enough times that you slip up and actually let it get ground in your heart. So say it and keep saying it, but also chew on those scriptures. And when you read the scripture, you know, if, if it seems dead to you and lifeless, just ask the Lord or remind the Lord. He said, put me in remembrance. Hey, you, wait a minute. I'm a believer, and you said, I don't even have need that any man teach me, but your spirit would teach me all things. And so I'm reminding you that you said that, so I trust him right now to open this scripture to me. Open my eyes. Remember the road to Emmaus? The word was actually walking with the disciples after he had risen from the dead. And it said uh, they didn't realize it until the spirit opened their eyes. And then they said, oh, that was the same voice. Well, I don't think his voice, his physical, the sound of his physical voice was actually the same. But I think what hit their hearts was identical. Just like when the Holy Spirit speaks to our hearts. You know, we could have the reverse experience. Because I've never seen Christ in the flesh. So if I did and he began talking, I don't know what his voice would physically sound like. But I know that my heart actually would say, I know that voice. He speaks to me all the time. It's his spirit. It's the spirit of Christ that's inside of every believer. And so um, believing and speaking. So we having the same spirit of faith. So you don't have a different spirit of faith. The same spirit of faith that Jesus had that led him to the cross for the joy that was set before him is the same spirit of faith that every believer has on the inside of them. So you're not trying to get the spirit of faith. You have the spirit of faith. 
And what happens is when you get exposed to someone with that spirit of faith, a better way to say it was if you get exposed to someone who is yielding to that same spirit of faith, you learn, oh, that's how I yield to that spirit of faith. Oh, yeah, I've got that same thing on the inside of me. That same thing that says, all right, devil, bring it on. I have no power against you, devil. I have no, you know I have no power against the devil. I said it that way on purpose because I don't. But God in me has conquered him. And I just say the name of Jesus. And every victory that, that Christ has over the enemy, every point of defeat that the enemy has experienced, which is all points that exist, he is reminded, this is the name that defeated me. And so I bear that name as a believer. So as a believer, I got power of the devil. As an individual, apart from who I am in Christ, I have no power of the devil. Well, don't get those two things confused because, uh, the, was it the seven sons of Sceva? You know, they said, uh, you come out in the name of of Jesus whom Paul preaches. Well, they said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? And so they got their clothes all stripped off, off from them, and they came back humiliated and naked. The two kind of go together. And so, <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> and so uh, you can see those seven sons, they said the right thing. But they actually didn't know Christ. So they didn't say from their heart. So what we're talking about is a confession from your heart. Uh, we have the same spirit of faith. According as it is written, I believed, therefore have I spoken. We also believe, and that's why we speak. Or we believe and therefore speak. So I guess one of the first steps to confessing the way the Bible talks about confessing is to first believe something. How do you believe something? Well, you've got to receive what the Word of God says concerning that situation. Um, we having that same spirit of faith. As it's written, I have believed, therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it will eat the fruit thereof. Do you know there's actual uh, medical studies where they studied what patients said before they were going into a major surgery? And they found, this is not a biblical study, just natural medical study. They found that if a patient, before they went in for a major surgery, was saying things like, I'm dreading this, this is going to not be good, it's going to be real difficult, it's going to be a problem, I don't think it's going to turn out well, that their rates of recovery were drastically less. Yet the ones that said, I'm going to come through this, it's going to be a great surgery, everything's going to go just fine, the doctor's going to know what they're doing, that their rates of recovery were drastically increased and sped up. Not even counting this. Why? Because life and death are in the power of the tongue. In James chapter 3, you find out the whole course of your life is altered by what you say. In fact, James said, you've got to be real careful about your tongue because it is set on fire of hell. 
Now, you, nobody has to raise your hand, but we've all experienced that. That you, you found yourself saying things that you're like, why am I saying this? I think you got sometimes connected to the wrong spirit. I said a lot of horrible things on biblical things, fleshly things. So uh, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And so we want to connect our tongue to what the Spirit of God is saying. That's one of the things we said last week is one form of confession is prophecy. Uh, and that doesn't mean telling the future. That, I mean, it, a, a prophet may uh, do a little bit of foretelling, but in the New Testament, the main uh, part of prophecy is speaking things that edify, that exhort, and that bring comfort. And comfort is not just like you feel comfortable. Now my kids got these pillows for our little trip we just went on, and they're really comfortable. But that's not really what that means. <laughs> that means like a boldness that causes you to be able to turn and face the storm when uh, you know, all your flesh wants to turn away, that you actually get strength, inward strength, that you stand firm and say, okay, just bring it on. And so edification, exhortation, and comfort. So it's going to exhort you. You can do it. You can make it. Uh, you know, it is possible. You know, Brother Hagin, he was... Um, Paralyzed, had three incurable diseases, terminal, three terminal incurable diseases. And, uh, you know, the enemy came at his mind, but the Lord was speaking to his spirit and began to comfort him with scripture after scripture after scripture. When I say comfort him, that doesn't mean he's like, it's okay, little boy, and a little while longer it'll all be over, like some minister tried to comfort. No. It was, did you read about the woman with the issue of blood? Jesus said her faith made her whole. Spirit on the inside of him said, if her faith made her whole, your faith can make you whole. Because people he was talking to all said all those uh, healings been done away with. It was just for the initial inception of the church to get it started you know, like a mighty moving force, and it's not necessary today. So they're saying all these things have passed away. And the Spirit of God said to him, Did you ever heard anybody say, Faith has passed away? Right, so what happened? He had all these seeds planted of all these things have passed away. You can't be healed. He was reading the woman with the issue of blood. Her faith made her whole. The Spirit of God said, your faith can make you whole. What is that? You turn and face that storm. You watch what God can do. So her faith made her whole. Your faith can make you whole. You never heard anybody say faith has been done away, have you? No, and you never will. Because you can't be saved without faith. So he brought him the word that he could receive. And then, of course, Mark 11, 23 and 24 um, actually, let's turn over there for just a second. Mark 11, 23 and 24. Um, I was going to do this later, but it'll fit really good right here. So uh, Mark eleven twenty two, and Jesus answering said to them, have faith in God. For verily I say to you, whoever will say, notice the word say, unto this mountain be removed and be cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says, notice the word says, will come to pass, he'll have whatever he says. Um, so, you know, the first word say and the last word say 
actually are the Greek word epo, which means it's, it's saying, but it's the command. It's the voice of command. Whoever commands this mountain, whoever uses their voice to say to this mountain what to do, gives a command to the mountain. Doesn't doubt in his heart, but believe those things that he says. That second say is actually Lego. That is a, uh, you know, like my kids have Legos, put Legos together. And you can kind of build things if you systematically find the right piece, do all that. So Lego is your set systematic uh, voice or speaking or discourse. Like, what do you say? What is your lifestyle of speaking? In other words, when people hear you talk about whatever situation, what would be the consistent thing that they hear you say? All right, that's the second word say. The third word say, uh, he'll have whatever he commands. It's epo again. It's the, it's the Greek word for command. Epo. He'll have whatever he epos. So whoever will epo this mountain and, uh, lo and logos and logos and logos, in other words, keep on saying, the set systematic saying about it, he'll have whatever he epos. Commands. Whatever he says. So you see, like, in there, he actually just says to believe one time, and he says to speak three times. And uh, Jesus told Brother Hagin one time, you'll have to do three times as much teaching and preaching and ministering on speaking as you do believing, because most people aren't missing it in the believing, they're missing it in the speaking. Well, uh, I have believed, therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. So I think the, one of the primary reasons we should be speaking is because of what we believe. And if you'll find out when you're um, not guarding your words because you know you're supposed to or you think you're supposed to, when you're, your unguarded speech actually reveals what you believe. Your unguarded speech actually reveals what you believe. Now, now let's finish up over here in um, Romans chapter 10, uh, verse 9 and 10. Ever read Romans 10, 9 and 10? Romans 10, 9 and 10. One of the most, Romans 10 is such an amazing passage of scripture. That's how I got born again. <laughs> Romans 10, 9 and 10. And many people, the Lord has used these words given by his spirit to plant in our hearts the seed of faith to receive Jesus as Lord. So Romans 10, 9, and 10. If thou shalt, or if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So notice, if you will confess... Well, confess is the Greek word homologio, and it really means, um, well, logio really comes from logos, which is that set systematic discourse, and it is, it's from Lego. Uh, the, the Lord spoke, the written word is the logos, and so um, homo means same. So if you'll just say the same thing as God says about the lordship of Christ, because you believe it in your heart, you will be saved. So if you just say the same thing, uh, homologio, confession means really say the same thing. But we're talking in the, in the realm of the word of God, say the same thing as God says. If you just 
believe that God raised him from the dead and say the same thing that God says about Christ, you will be saved. No, say it in your heart. Say it from your heart. And so um, what I want to focus in on the last half of verse 10, which says, with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. With the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. I want to look at the word unto. With the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. So with the mouth, you say the same thing as God says, and that brings you deliverance, and that brings you preservation, and that brings you soundness, and that brings you healing, and that brings you protection. Right? Salvation includes all of those things. And so with the mouth, confession is made. Unto salvation. What is unto? Well, unto is the same word that you find is used in uh, the letters that Paul wrote to the churches. You know, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Philemon, and um, uh, a few of the others. Where he says, if any man, Corinthians be in Christ. He's a new creature. What does that mean to be in Christ? What does that mean unto salvation? Well, what that word means, I don't know if I should read it in the, the dictionary, what it really says here or not, but I will. Uh, it says it's the living connection between the separated divine and cosmic realities. All right, that's kind of like cloudy. At least it was to me. I knew generally what it meant, like, oh, what is cosmic? Well, cosmic is anything to do with the earth and the universe. So anything that's created, the created realm, the created world, where we live, interact, see, feel, touch, hear, right? This means it includes those people on the space station. So I have thoughts like that, you know. If any two of you on earth shall agree is touching anything they ask, I'm like, well, can I actually claim that if I'm on the space station? I'm not on the earth. Okay, but this includes the space station and if they go to Mars and wherever they go in the universe, okay? It is the, now think about this. Think about this. It is the living connection. It's not a dead connection. This is a living connection between these separated divine and earthly things. I'll say it that way to make it a little easier to comprehend. So what is the divine? Well, we know the divine is God and anything of God. So you're actually talking what Yongi Cho called the fourth dimension. It's the spirit realm. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So in other words, it is the living connection between God and mankind. Or it is the living connection between God and what's happening in your world, in your house, on your planet, in your country. If you're in Ukraine or the United States or you're in Russia or you're in Egypt or wherever you're at. Okay? Confession is made unto salvation. In other words, confession is made a living connection to God. What is that living connection to God? Oh, this is, I love this, because I love Jesus. All right. 
1 Timothy 3.16, God was manifest in the flesh. Who was that? Our Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Peter 3.4, we are partakers of the divine nature. Okay, think about that for just a second. Why did Jesus have to come? Yeah, he had to save us. Why did he have to save us? Because we were sinners. So when we sinned, death came. Spiritual death, separation from God. And that spiritual death, that separation from God and the life of God, actually caused physical death to come. So everyone on the earth that's not born again is what the Bible calls a sinner. And a sinner is a lot more than sinning. Because sometimes a saint, or what the Bible calls a believer, would occasionally sin. So a sinner, in biblical terms, is a lot more than somebody that just messes up. Because, you know, everyone except for Michael in here has sinned. No, All of us have messed up. He, he didn't even hear me. Did you hear me? <laughs> no, we've all ascend and fall short of the glory of God. And so, are you kidding me? Like, you look at human flesh and everything that's collected in that term flesh. It's not just your body, but it's the sin nature it's all of these other things. And Christ came in the flesh. So perfect, pure holiness, divinity, grace, and mercy came into the flesh of mankind. And he said over in 2 Peter 3, 4, we are partakers of that divine nature. So what happened is God came in the flesh and dwelt among us and we saw him. We beheld him. That's more than saw, actually. It's we took it in. We observed and saw and let it affect our hearts. We beheld him. It was the glory of the Father. But he came in the flesh so he could defeat forever the power of sin and the separation that had come between God and mankind so that we could have that same life that's in him inside of us. So you see why in that definition it says between the separated divine and earthly reality. In other words, that's not really possible that anybody could actually connect a sinful, dying human to an unsinful, immortal, eternal God, but God did in Christ. And so Christ is the living connection between the earthly and the eternal, be between temporary, time-limited, and unlimited eternal things. He is that connection. So that's why in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, if any man be in this living 
connection that connects unregenerate man to eternal Zoe God, he is a new creature. In other words, if anyone is united to God like this, and the only way to become united to God is through the bridge, Jesus Christ, through that connection from uh, temporary to eternal, from that connection uh, from death that annihilates death and brings immortality and light into life. If any man be united to Christ Jesus, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So let me just say, this week our confession is, I am a new creature in Christ. Why? Well, if you let that get in your heart and you speak that, then no matter what happens, you start to have, do you know what happens when you're born again? If you're, uh, how do I say this the right way? If your doctor tells you that you're overweight and you need to go on a diet, but you just keep eating all this and giving in to all that, you could actually use that scripture. You say, I am a new person in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I yield to my spirit. I don't yield to my body. Why? Because your confession actually gives you the power to overcome. The only reason David defeated that giant is because he went to the giant speaking what God said. I don't know if that's a confirmation or an interruption. Uh, let's uh, go to 2 Peter chapter 3. I think we'll end with that. 2 Peter chapter 3. Verse 3, according as his divine power has given unto us all things, thank you, Lord, I forgot about that, that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue, or power, whereby are given to us unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these, by what? By these promises we might be made partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. Notice it says, uh, whereby or by this are given to us these exceeding great and precious promises, that by these. You know what those promises are? Those exceeding great and precious promises, those are the professions of, of God. Those are the declarations of God that by these we might be made partakers. In other words, because God said it, you can have it if you say the same thing. Grace and peace be multiplied through you, to you through the knowledge of God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, do you remember in uh, Genesis... Um, in the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth and everything that's in them, it says before that that the Holy Spirit was hovering over 
the waters, over the face of the waters. Or if you look at it, it actually says he was hovering over the chaos. The Holy Spirit's hovering. But nothing's happening. He's just hovering. He's just hovering. So the Holy Spirit's just hovering. He's there, but nothing's really happening. But yet the Holy Spirit's there. The Spirit of God is there, but nothing's happening. But the Holy Spirit's there, and nothing's happening. How can the Holy Spirit be there and nothing's happening? The Holy Spirit is there and nothing's happening. He's hovering over the chaos, over all this, until right, until God said. wonder what happens in the believer if the Holy Spirit's right there in your heart and you're not saying something. He's over there hovering over the chaos in your life, over the challenges in your life. He's just waiting for a word that can be confirmed. It seems God uh, does nothing for humanity unless someone first asks him. And it seems like uh, God will pass over a million people just to get to one person that's speaking God's word. Just to get to one person that says the same thing that God says because they believe what God said. Just to get the one person that said, you know what, it really doesn't matter that I have moved to a place that's really expensive to buy a house uh, because God is on my side. It really doesn't matter that the price of lumber went up and down and up and down and it doesn't know and the price of all building materials is doing all other kind of things. God is on my side. And I'm going to say what he said. God is my provider and he provides for me. And somebody said, it sure don't look like it. I mean, look at your house. You don't even have any walls on there. You don't have insulation on the walls. Now I'm preaching myself. You don't have insulation on the walls, right? Well, he is Jehovah Jireh. And if you're waiting for it to feel like it or to look like it before you believe it, you're never going to experience it. Because the person who is not born again must first believe and declare that they are born again before anything happens in their heart. If you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and confess with your mouth, Lord, I thank you that I am now born again and I believe Jesus raised from the dead. I am born again after I say that, not before. If you're going to wait till you're filled with the Spirit and tongues just come flowing out of you automatically before you believe that you have received it, you're probably still waiting. Same thing with healing. Same thing with provision. Same thing with mental deliverance. Whereby are given to us these exceeding precious promises that by these we might be made partakers. How do you become a partaker of all of these precious promises? You believe and you declare through the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Stand up. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You are what God says you are. You have what God says you have. If you believe that, then declare it. I don't mean right now. I mean in your situation. When nobody's around and nobody knows what you're doing or saying or thinking, what are you declaring? When the pressure's on, what do you do?
Do you stay silent because you know I shouldn't say something bad? I guess that's step number one, but really what you should do instead of trying not to say something is say what you know you should say. You overcome. How do we overcome? They overcame him by what? The blood of the lamb. That's in other words, I'm doing this based on what Jesus has done and who he is today. His blood still speaks. I'm doing this because of Jesus. In other words, the only reason I can command the enemy to go is because of the blood of Jesus, because he is somebody, not because I'm somebody, because he's somebody. And in him, he has made me someone. But Paul said, don't even think about yourself. He's like, I actually consider myself to have died, and I'm simply uh, enjoying a second existence, which is Christ using my body. He said, it's no longer I that live, but it's Christ that lives on the inside of me. And so we're yielded to the Lord uh, so that he can do something through us and with us. And uh, the more we get out of the way, uh, the more he can do. I know um, Kenneth Hagin was traveling years and years ago, and he went to this church over in West Texas, and he didn't know it, but all the preachers in the area said, that's like the dying ground of all ministers. And so he went there and was ministering, and man, the services were really dead. So he prayed more and fasted more and, you know, sought the Lord more. And then, then the ministers came and said, uh, we all made the same mistake when we came over here. Well, we tried to have a revival here. You ain't going to have a revival there. That's not possible. Anybody that could uh, have a revival there could raise the dead. So after he tried all this, he said, oh, Lord, I'm not going to pray any extra I'm not going to try to do anything. I'm just going to turn it over to you. And he said, you know what happened that night? The Lord, the Spirit of the Lord fell. That place, people started getting born again, healed, filled with the Spirit. And then all these pastors who kind of made fun of him, they called and said, will you come and hold us a revival? <laughs> but it didn't actually happen until he turned it over to the Lord and he stopped trying to do it himself. He let the Lord do what only the Lord could do. If you would, close your eyes and bow your heads for me. I want to give an opportunity for people to come to the Lord. If you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior, there is something you can say, and it's the greatest thing anyone in the world has ever said, and that is Jesus is Lord. The Bible says, we've been re even reading some of those passages here, that if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, and you say with your mouth, he is Lord, that you will be saved. With the heart, man believes to being made right with God, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation, unto deliverance, unto being preserved, protected, soundness, provision, healing. Yeah, in salvation, there's healing, not just of your heart, but of your body. I'm going to pray a prayer together with other believers in just a minute or two, and when we pray, I want you, if you want to come to know Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you want to become part of the family of God, I want you to pray with us. It's not because of what we pray that God will change you, but it's because of what you pray. God has no favorites in his body or even outside his body. He loves every single person on the face of this earth. And his desire is that every single person become part of his family, come back really to his family. 
and every single person be filled with the knowledge of his love, his mercy, be filled with his spirit. God loves you and he has a plan for your life. I want you to make a decision in five seconds that you're going to live for the Lord. I want you to make a decision if you're away from the Lord that you're coming back today. We live in very, uh, I don't know, probably the last of the last days. At least we're further than we've ever been. <laughs> but if you look at the signs of the times, the Bible says you can look at the signs of the times, uh, this thing's wrapping up really quickly. You might not have another day. Even if we last another 200 years, uh, you're not guaranteed another day. Don't wait. Don't put it off. Today's the day of salvation. Make a decision to come back to the Lord or to come to the Lord for the first time. Let's pray. Say this. Say, oh God, I'm coming before you now. I believe that Jesus Christ is your son and that he died on the cross to save me to free me from my sins so I could be new. Jesus, you are my Lord, my Savior. I receive you right now. Father God, thank you that you are my Father now, that I'm part of your family. Fill me with your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Praise the Lord. If you just prayed that prayer online or in person, um, if you're here in the room, uh, please go to the sound booth and so we can get your name, so we can be praying for you and get you some materials if you'd like. Whether, you, whether you're coming back to the Lord, kind of getting things straightened up and right, you know, nobody actually knows, or not nobody, but many times you can be out of uh, fellowship with the Lord and uh, people don't know it or you think people don't know it. But it's so important not to just be in relationship with the Lord, but to be in fellowship. That's a closeness because he will lead and guide your every step. So I encourage you, if you made a decision for the Lord to come to him for the first time, or if you were out of fellowship with the Lord, walking very far away from him, you know, come up and let me know or let uh, Jeremy at the sound booth know. Uh, we'd love to rejoice with you and also um, talk with you, pray with you, any materials you need, we'd love to get them to you. God loves you, has a great plan for your life. Was our confession for this week? I am a new creature in Christ. I am a new creature in Christ. It's 2 Corinthians 5.17. So say that every day this week. And find a way to say it so that you mean it, that you believe it. That means you kind of meditate on it enough that you, uh, you get it coming from your heart. I am a new creature. What does that really mean? I'm a new creature. If any man be in Christ, I'm a man, I'm a human. I accepted Christ, so I'm united to Christ. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Actually, the first part of that verse says, Behold, behold, if any man be in Christ. Let me look into this and see. If I'm a man, 
and I'm in Christ, that means I am a new creature. That means those things from the old creature, the old way of life, do not dominate me. So I am a new creature in Christ Jesus. So when that challenge or that temptation comes my way or that, that thought of doubt and unbelief that I am not able to do this, I can just confess I am a new creature in Christ Jesus. Thank you very much. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I am a new creature. That's part of the old creature. That does not dominate me. The old creature does not dominate me because I am a new creature in Christ Jesus because he's the one that made that connection from the old creature to the new creature. He's the one that took the old things and put the new things there. I didn't do it. I just yielded to what he made possible and what he provided. So I am a new creature. I really am a new creature. And so I have new creature thoughts. I have new creature nature. I have new creature actions. And so I don't follow the actions of the old man or the old creature. I follow the actions of the new man and the new creature. I'm invigorated by the spirit of God, the life of God, the nature of God. Those thoughts don't belong in my head. So thoughts you got to go because I am a new creature. You don't belong in me. That's old creature thoughts. I have new creature thoughts. The devil might say, well, what are your thoughts? You say, well, I don't know. I just set my mind on things above not on things of the earth. I set my mind on things of the new creature. Psalm 91, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge. You get in time of trouble, time of fear, time of fretting, where you don't know what to do, you're surrounded by all these other thoughts, all these other things. You ought to just say, the Lord is my refuge. My fortress, I mean, you got a fortress something can't get through, it's the Lord. I will say of the Lord. Let the weak say, let the poor say, that's totally contrary to your flesh. But that is the nature, your nature, the nature of your spirit. Let the weak say, I am. Let the poor say, I am because of what the Lord has done. Father, we thank you that you have done good things. Hallelujah, that you're a good God. Father, thank you for your word that we are new creatures in Christ Jesus. Remind us every day this week to make that declaration, to come into agreement with what you have said, that by these realities, we are partakers of your divine nature. Thank you for your nature. That our nature is not the nature of a sinner, but our nature is your nature, the nature of life, the nature of belief, that we have the same spirit of faith that Jesus had. We have your spirit of faith. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.